Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves. We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. So a topic that Dominique and I talk about all the time, it naturally comes up in almost all of our conversations, Mm -hmm. is the idea of self-compassion. That's like one of my favorite topics we've talked about. Like, I don't know what it is. I could talk about it over and over again. Well, I definitely know why that is just because of the impact it's had in my own life. And we've talked about the impact it could have globally if everyone just not even a lot more, a tiny bit more, (laughs) practice a little bit of self-compassion, what it could do for society at large. Absolutely. And I know one thing that I love to say, Carrie, I know you hear me say this all the time, but I just kind of go into this like daydream, like, can you imagine what this world would be like if everyone on this planet just viewed each other through a lens of compassion? How much it could explain about, you know, why we do the things we do. It doesn't excuse anything. It just explains. And the better we understand things, then the better we can just work with one another. Yeah. And just cultivate that sense of, I might not agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from. And I allow you to have your perspective and your ideas with no judgment. Mm -hmm. And I know we definitely see a lot of that being, um, an issue, <laughs> especially in our, country. in our country. Yeah. The United States. And uh, by no means do we want to, you know, jump into politics here, but I think it's a wonderful example of just how we can have our differences and just respect that, understand that and just be okay. You know what? I think this way you think that way, but let's just, let's still just try to come together and do what we can to make this a better place to live or just find some more acceptance and understanding that we're not made to all think the same way. Yeah, totally. I think I used to think more like, oh, you know, I just wish we all agreed. Mm. It would make things so much easier. But I think I've really come to appreciate in my life that I have people in my life that have all the perspectives, people I care about, and I'm not willing to end relationships because of a difference of opinion. And I think that was sort of an unpopular way of going about it. I have some people in my life who I know if people they distantly knew 
voted a certain way. They didn't want to Mm -hmm. be associated with them anymore or have a relationship with them. They completely cut them out of their lives. And I just thought, oh, like, yeah, I don't expect everyone to have the same opinion I have. I don't expect everyone to have the same life experiences I've had. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things I don't agree with on both sides of the spectrum. But I think because I've stopped judging myself as harshly as I used to, it's spread outward that I've noticed I can, I have really stopped judging other people as harshly as I used to. Yeah. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to come to the realization, like, wait a minute. Okay. The way I've been speaking to myself all these years is not how I would want to speak to anyone else or treat anyone else. And and for me, I was very much in the the same situation, Carrie, like when I came to realize like, whoa, okay, I'm not speaking to myself kindly. And it's, be, you know, yes, I made mistakes. And yes, I could have done certain things a different way, but... I'm a human being. You're a human being. Everyone out there is human. We are going to make mistakes. That is the nature of it. And it's really, for me, the hardest part, but the most effective part is to be able to make a mistake and be okay with it and tell yourself like, hey, that was a really good mistake. Like, let's try again and see how we can maybe do it a little differently instead of blowing up on yourself and saying like, how stupid am I? Or whatever else you want to call yourself. I called myself, I think many names in the book, but that got me nowhere in life. And certainly if you treat a child like that, they're not going to want to do better to actually make improvements and change if they are being like yelled at for a mistake that they're meant to make and to learn from. And you kind of have to think of it. I believe that, you know, treating yourself almost like you would treat a child to have that type of compassion um, and understanding for human emotions. Right. And I think the more, you know, the more work people do and the more understanding we are having about how complicated we all really are. And a lot of the information out there that I'm seeing more and more of is essentially we are all just kids in these adult bodies. Like we are Mm -hmm. our inner child, our wounded inner child Mm. who we've had these expectations placed upon. We put them on ourselves and others have put them on us throughout our lives that we know all the right things to do. We take all the right paths. We don't make mistakes. We make all the right decisions in order to achieve every single goal we set for ourselves. And it's Mm -hmm. just completely unrealistic. I mean, I think once we realize no one knows what they're doing, we're (laughs) all just trying to figure it out day by day. It's so much easier to have that compassion towards others and then bring it upon yourself as well. Yeah, for sure. And of course, Trauma is an area that I know very well from personal experience and through my coaching containers and working with clients on unresolved trauma. 
is something that I do every single week. And self-compassion, cultivating self-compassion is one of the key areas that we work on. And it comes from, like you had said, Carrie, a lot of us still have that child within us that feels that they're not worthy enough, that they're not lovable, that they don't deserve happiness or success or love. And and when you think about it, when someone is triggered because of something you said or somebody else said, that is a trigger because it's a memory that they had from when they were most likely in their childhood that was traumatizing and their body remembers it. And maybe not their mind, maybe not their brain, but their body remembers it. So we still carry these memories from when we were children and they still affect our lives every single day. And I feel like, you know, when we talk about looking through that lens of compassion, I also think like looking through a trauma informed lens is very much the same. The way trauma impacts every one of us, whether it's a, a big T or a little tree or a little T, we all have nervous systems. Our nervous system is what drives us and our stories throughout the day. And it's such a fascinating conversation that obviously you and I know like such a tiny bit about because I think even the most highly educated people in the world on trauma and physiology mm. and psychology are just now yeah. uncovering and realizing how interconnected all of this is and that we're not just all of these separate organs and separate bodily systems that mm. what happens to us may seem so um like it's not connected to this other part of us but it i i believe it all is like you can't yeah. disconnect anything you can't compartmentalize the psyche and the body and the mind and yeah. the cognition yeah 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 um one analogy that i like to use when i'm talking uh, with certain clients and just to kind of have them understand that like okay you have this inner child you have the ego you have the um the guardian the parent so i kind of say like imagine your amazon right if i want to talk to amazon i'm not just gonna be like hey i want to talk to Amazon. No, there's no such thing as just that. You've got your CEO, your CFO, you have your shipping and packaging. You have all of these departments, right? Make up Amazon. So if you kind of think of all the different parts of you, of me, that's a very similar thing. These parts have to work together. They all need our attention and to show ourselves compassion in all these different areas that are pulling for us is a, a big part of it. I know um, one of my absolute favorite authors and researchers of trauma, Dr. Gabor Mate. If any of you out there have seen The Wisdom of Trauma, the best thing you could ever watch. If you haven't, you absolutely need to check out this documentary. Is we'll it leave on it, YouTube? Um, it's, you can go to the website and 
they ask for a small donation. You can give a dollar and be able to watch it. They ask for a small donation, but of course, knowing that not everybody is able to, they still allow you to watch it for free. So we'll leave that linked in the show notes because I think this is a documentary that every human being should watch to gain a better understanding of why we do the things we do, how people are not inherently bad, and how we can start to cultivate greater compassion towards the the collective and ourselves. I love that. I love that. And just um, as a side note about about me personally, um, in the Enneagram system, I'm a type one. And type ones are known to have a really, really strong inner critic. And I didn't even realize I had this inner critic until I learned about the Enneagram and my type specifically, because I just thought this is how everyone talked to themselves. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of us do, but the type mm-hmm. one inner mm-hmm. critic is like just constantly, I mean, it's ultimately the super ego talking mm-hmm. to the other me, the authentic self. And, but like in such a belittling way and like always, shooting like you should have done this or you should have done that or you should have known better yeah and to recognize that and then realize I don't have to listen to this I don't have to take what this voice is saying as myself this isn't me Mm -hmm. yeah and that makes total sense and ultimately the ego is a protective mechanism and it's that voice that is trying to protect you, even though it may say horrible things and make you feel horrible. It doesn't want you to get hurt again. And it's going to say whatever it needs to in order to stop that. And so if um, that voice is causing perfectionism, then that's stopping you from carrying through, following through on a goal that you might have maybe and could potentially fail, which is something that you could perceive as dangerous. And that's why understanding your nervous system is such a powerful thing. And it's a a big part that goes along with self-compassion. Just understanding your nervous system is trying to keep you safe 24-7. If that means it's going to talk to you in a way that's not too nice, um, then it's it's going to do that sometimes. I know for me, what I really worked on was inner child healing. Like you had mentioned earlier on, Carrie, that you know for the past that I had with unresolved trauma and not addressing it until I was in my mid-30s, I had a lot of wounding that I needed to heal and a lot of shame and blame. And it wasn't until I incorporated self-compassion and my practices that I was finally able to release so much of those emotions that I just felt like I was drowning in. And it 100% was this huge step forward that I made because of being more compassionate with myself. And for many of us, for many of us, I think that that can look like releasing a level of control because I think we try to control things out of our control 
and keep ourselves under control in this way that we've been conditioned as the appropriate way to present ourselves. And when you have this sense of self-compassion and compassion towards others, it gives you this permission almost to mm-hmm. let go mm-hmm. of some of that control because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is going to happen. Everyone is human, like you've said, and we're all going to make mistakes. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think that when we look at self-compassion, and I actually had a conversation with a client about this the other day, and how perfectionism can be one of those areas where, you know, it can be hard for someone who's like a real hard perfectionist to be okay and compassionate with themselves for not doing something the exact way they wanted it done. But perfectionism is a protective mechanism. And it's really just so important to not wait to heal one more thing, to not wait to do one more thing a little bit better before celebrating, to make sure that you are celebrating every step of the way is, I mean, absolute key, especially I know I'm a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser. And for me, it was really about finding those tiny little steps that I made towards becoming a little bit better every day, a little bit more compassionate towards myself to keep that motivation up too, because I wasn't going to be motivated if I continued to beat myself down. And do you have any thoughts about if and how age can play into this? Because I know in my 20s and 30s, I had no level of awareness. And maybe this is just me, because I definitely know that people in their 20s and 30s who are very self-aware But I had like no level of self-awareness, especially in terms of self-compassion and how powerful it can be. And just, I think the freedom I felt since being in my forties and caring a lot less about how I'm perceived or the outside world has sort of given me more of a permission slip to be Mm -hmm. more authentic, which has helped me cultivate a sense of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For for me, my belief is that it's all wrapped around our particular nervous system. Some people are more resilient than others. Some people are more sensitive than others. And that's okay. That doesn't mean it's good or bad. But I I believe that when we are finally, you know, starting to feel more confident and compassionate as we're older, it's because a lot of the time, and I can only go through like what I experienced. And um, I would like to hear your thoughts too, after this, Carrie, but for myself, I knew what I needed to do, but it was scary to do it. So I had to take baby steps, right? When our nervous system is one way for so long, if we take too big of a leap, we are going to just like, our body is going to go ape shit. <laughs> right. And so I knew that, okay, that's not working for me. I need to take smaller steps. And so that can extend the length of time when you finally come to a point of feeling like, wow, okay, I'm, I'm here. Like I'm at this level now. Okay. Let's go to the next level. 
So for myself, I feel like it was because I just had a more sensitive nervous system, which is what brought me to an older age. It's not even old, but because, yeah, I see some people in their twenties. I'm like, oof, girl, boy, like you have your shit together. Like go. Yes. I love it. And then for me, I was like, well, you know, mid thirties, Hey, better late than never. Not going to, you know, knock at it, but I do think it's resiliency within the nervous system. It's so funny because what do you think on that? You know, they talk about how there's no timeline that we should all be adhering to. We're all Mm -hmm. different, but I have thought, damn, I am like really late to this Mm -hmm. self-awareness, self-compassion game when I do compare myself to some other people out there. Yeah. I have been there too. It's yeah. I think it's very natural to, to feel that way. It makes sense for sure. Um, but do you feel like, um, as far as like your nervous system state was maybe on the more sensitive side, or do you feel like, you know, it's something that you you maybe aren't too sure of, or maybe thought that it was really strong and resilient? No, I do not think it's strong (laughs) and resilient. I don't know. I definitely think, um, I would identify myself and I don't know a lot about this, but just hearing Mm -hmm. a brief description, I was like, oh yeah, that's me. When I hear about highly sensitive people, Mm -hmm. HSPs Mm -hmm. and um, just like speaking in terms of external things, like I get so startled and like agitated by loud sounds that I'm not expecting. And Mm -hmm. like my partner, that doesn't bother him at all. He could barely notice it. And I'm like, how is this not grating on you? Like hearing this like crash or a loud machine working outside. Like, are you horrible to drive with? (laughs) Like, are you one of those people that startles like over bumps or like, you know, slamming on the brakes? Yes. Like I sometimes (laughs) just keep my eyes shut when other people are driving because I'm like, I don't want to annoy them. (laughs) That cracks me up because my mom is just like that. Just like that. And we're like, okay, breathe, breathe. But yes, that can definitely indicate a more sensitive nervous system for sure. Especially like the startling easily. Um, But yeah, so, you know, honestly, I think that's why that's what brings us to whatever age it is that we finally become more self-aware or confident, whatever it might be. Now, Do you have any tips like from your point of view, Carrie, for our uh, listeners out there on how they can start to, you know, cultivate and just work towards greater self-compassion for themselves? I think one of the really important things everyone can do is if you hear that voice inside your head and it's speaking to you or about you with anything other than loving kindness just to recognize the voice, know it's not you. And even I've heard of some people like thanking the voice, like, thank you for trying to protect me, but Mm -hmm. I've got this. I think that is such a powerful way to move forward in separating yourself from that inner critic or ego or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that one. And that's kind of along the lines of like what I would offer as um, one tip is uh, alongside of the inner child work. So 
for myself and a lot of my clients, whenever they would start feeling anxious or overwhelmed and getting those voices like that um, belief or that story in their head, I always encourage like actually paying attention to it, taking the time to listen to it and recognize that, okay, you're here for my my protection, like you said, Carrie, and talking to it almost like it's your child self. And now you being the adult and saying like, look, I see you, I hear you, but I've got this now. Like Mm -hmm. this is, this is big me, adult me. I know a lot more now and it's okay to feel nervous, but there's nothing to be so afraid of. So kind of that same, um, on that same topic of listening to the voice, understanding that it's there, allowing it to be there. I think a big mistake that a lot of us tend to make and have made in in the past, I know for me, is I would try to ignore it. I would try to push it away, Mm -hmm. but it just kept coming and coming and coming. And it wasn't until I stopped and was like, okay, what do you have to say? And then recognize like, you have a choice. You can lead with it, go with it. Or you can say, no, you know what? I'm going to do this instead and be okay with it. So yeah, I love, love that. Also like what else using, um, positive self-talk, whether you do it aloud or internally, and it feels Mm -hmm. weird and silly at first, especially if you're doing it aloud, but, um, There's someone that I follow who I really think has such a just like positive energy. Her name's Natalia Benson. She's a Mm. business astrologist and she's really great. Do I follow her? I don't know. I'm going to have to check. I'm going to have to look and see. But she, um, I did like a really like a mini course of hers about for like female empowerment. And one of her suggestions is to like stare at yourself and look at your face in the mirror. And Mm. give yourself compliments and say, I love you and say, you're beautiful and you're strong. I mean, obviously you'd be great in the first person. I'm beautiful. I'm strong. Mm -hmm. And it's like a really difficult thing to do. Yep. Absolutely. And I think just asking ourselves, why is that so difficult? Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's such a powerful practice right there. And I know some people uh, will call it mirror work, Mm -hmm. um, but whatever it may be, like the making eye contact with yourself Mm -hmm. is crucial and to like fully be with yourself in that moment. And I totally agree. It feels so strange at first, but again, like, and I'm always going to take it back to the nervous system. <laughs> you know, Like your nervous system is like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. We don't talk kindly to ourselves like that. Like, what is this? Anytime we do something different, it's going to, you know, say like, hold up, let's, let's check this. But with repetition, it gets so much easier. I feel like it's the same thing with the inner child work too. It can feel so strange at first. And to kind of piggyback off of like your um, mirror work, I will encourage clients to find a picture of themselves when they were a child and around the age of when they were going or remembered going through some of the, the challenges and struggles, put it on your bathroom mirror 
And when you're getting uh, when you're getting ready in the mornings, brushing your teeth, whatever it is, look at that picture and have conversation with that child. Mm, I love Talk that. To that. Yep. And and it's just, oh gosh, it is just so incredibly powerful. Like I can't say good enough things about it, but you're going to talk to that child, tell that child what they needed to hear at that time. Just let them know you see them, you hear them, make that eye contact. So powerful. And I'm guessing most of us out there, if you're looking at a picture of any child, even mm-hmm. if it's yourself, you would never dream of speaking harshly exactly. or negatively or hurtfully to that child. Exactly. Talk about cultivating some compassion <laughs> for yourself right there. That is exactly it. And another thing that I really enjoy is to converse with my clients about how your emotions are not your identity. You are just here experiencing an emotion. So anger, frustration, guilt, shame, whatever it may be. So allowing yourself to look at it as the observer and not putting a tag or a label to it. Like I am anxious. I am stupid or unlovable, you know, when we start to identify with what the emotion is that we're feeling, that's when we can really find ourselves drowning in it. But saying something like for me, dealing with anxiety in the past, I started telling myself, I'm experiencing some alarm or I'm experiencing some nervousness, not saying I am anxious or I am so nervous or overwhelmed because that, that right there. And I can feel the difference in my body. When I say that, even now there's a huge separation when I don't identify as this emotion. And I think that's helpful for many people out there is to first, you know, start to work on shifting that. I am taking the label off of it. Mm -hmm. What a great conversation as always. Yes. And, um, of course, like practice, it just comes down to practice, you know, it day by day, it gets better and it only gets easier with practice, practice, practice. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family. We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.